This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. the mom room podcast my name is renee rena and i am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted so many of you are going to relate to this episode and probably nod your head and be like fuck yes the whole time because gwenna and i are talking about mom guilt Many of you probably know Gwenna from TikTok. She is at Mama Cusses. I think we have, you know, a similar sense of humor and we get along quite well because we're just honest and open and can talk about being a mom in a really candid way. In this episode, we both go over our own experiences with mom guilt, why we think mom guilt is a thing. We also touch on partner guilt and even secondhand guilt, which is a really special thing once you become a mom. I don't know if you could tell, but that's sarcasm. We talk about some awesome resources and books, and all of that information is going to be in the show notes, as well as how you can get in contact with Gwenna. Also, in a couple weeks, I am going to be on Gwenna's podcast, which is called The Mama Cusses Podcast. So look out for that as well. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this brutally honest conversation about how shitty mom guilt is. We are here today with Gwenna Lathland, who is a fellow TikTok mom. Uh, Many of you may know her better as Mama Cusses. And so to start, I thought you could tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your motherhood journey, when you started all the Mama Cusses stuff, and kind of what your end goal is for the Mama Cusses brand. Right. So, hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your podcast. So, yeah, um, I have three kids. My eldest is 13, and then I have two-year-old twins, a boy and a girl, that I lovingly refer to as boy child and girl child. <laughs> I I have been a content marketer for, like, a long-ass time, a, a decade or longer. I don't know. I lost It's one of those things where you do it for so long, you're like, I'm not exactly sure when I started doing it. What does that mean? So, essentially, somebody has a good idea and has no idea how to get that good idea into product or communication form. So what I do is I help them make things sound appealing. A lot of times they're great ideas, but idea people are not always communicators and communicators are not always idea people. That is not a universal truth, but I work with those people who have great ideas and zero ability to construct an English sentence despite it being their only language. (laughs) So I started Mama Cusses with some fantastic timing, Renee. So I did Mama Cusses for the very first time on February 17th of 2020. And less than a month later, we were all in quarantine. Right. Totally. So is that when you started TikTok? That's when I started TikTok. Yeah. Okay. I feel like so many of us started TikTok around the same time. And it's true. It's quarantine time. So yeah, everyone was on there. Right. Except no one has any money to spend. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Exactly. So Mama Cusses is at its heart uh, a very kind of raw look at motherhood 
because so many versions of online motherhood are expected to be Instagram ready and Pinterest perfect at all times. And if that ain't a fucking lie, I don't know what is. Yes, totally. I agree. So after 13 years of, of trying to look put together, I went, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to look like I look and maybe other moms can feel the same. So I built a Facebook group and it's a non-mom shaming evidence-based group um, that people can just be themselves and they can talk about their bad days in mothering and their good days in mothering. And I I, I very much want to start a, a sort of resource center. Um, I'm working on a book now. Yeah. I want to normalize motherhood, which is the weirdest thing to have to say in 2020, but social media has dehumanized it to the point that if it doesn't look perfect, you feel like you're doing it wrong. And here's the thing is if you, if it doesn't look perfect, you're probably doing it better than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. That is so true. That's like the comments that I get on my TikToks where people say things like, you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard. Like having a child is not that hard. And then everyone re-comments them saying like, clearly you're not doing it right because it's fucking hard. Right. It <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're very similar in in the thought of, you know, social media has made moms feel alone, I guess, because right. I think everyone is bombarded with all this content, but no one relates to it. Even the people posting it probably don't relate to it. And so everyone just kind of feels shitty about themselves and like they're the only ones that, you know, aren't enjoying every minute. Yeah. And, and the honest truth is all of those Instagram moms, no shame on them whatsoever. I love looking at the hashtag mom life on Instagram. But I mean, my contributions to it are exactly opposite of what will ever be shown in feed. Um, but they spent weeks, months, days, hours bribing their kids to just look good. And please don't touch that white dress. I love you. I will feed you goldfish. Please just fucking smile. And we got it. Okay. Okay. Back to chaos. Yeah, exactly. That's like a paragraph out of a blog and a part of a podcast episode was how much effort goes into creating these Instagram accounts or these Pinterest photos. But we as consumers of the content need to be smarter yeah. when we're consuming that kind of media and not, you know, it's like a media awareness almost, you know, we teach kids how to consume media, but we need to, yeah. you know, take a lesson ourselves. Okay. Well, I feel like we could just rant about that stuff forever, but we will move into the mom. This episode is about mom guilt, which, you know, is something that I think everyone experiences. I listened to Gwenna put out a podcast episode about mom guilt and I loved it. So if you haven't heard it, go check that out. Uh, and then I, that same week, I think, happened to put out a blog post about mom guilt and it got so much feedback. So I was like, well, we should do a podcast episode about this. So yeah, the first thing I wanted to ask you, what are some examples of mom guilt that you can think of that you struggle with? Is there anything in particular that stands out for you? Uh, yeah. So in my podcast, I told the story, the first time I experienced mom guilt, and I didn't really have a name for it at the time, my eldest was four days old. And she was pissed off and I was exhausted and I didn't know what to do. I was 23. Motherhood was, we'll politely say that it was a surprise. 
I had nine months to prepare for it, but <laughs> that was it. And that is not enough time. <laughs> so I was scared and confused and exhausted. And she was just caterwauling off of what I now know is nothing. There was nothing wrong with her. It's just what babies do. But at the time, it was so overwhelming. I called my mom and I said, I don't think I love her enough because I can't fix this. I can't make it better. And my mom said, the fact that you're concerned that you don't love her enough means you love her more than you can possibly understand right this minute. And that was my first mom guilt that I don't love my kid enough. And that same sentiment has just kind of etched into the back of my mom brain for the remainder of her childhood. And it stays with the next two I had is when I let them free play. Is it because I don't love them enough to care to play with them? You know, when I feed them goldfish and lunch meat turkey, do I not love them enough to make them one of those fucking bento box meals? (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you said the, when they're playing by themselves, I, so that is my biggest struggle with mom guilt is that when I'm home, especially during quarantine, obviously I noticed this, 
when I'm home with my son and he is so good at playing independently, I feel so bad when I'm not constantly interacting with him or, you know, be basically being a clown all day. But it's exhausting and I need to do other stuff as well. But, you know, I'll be making dinner or like cleaning up or something. And in the back of my mind, it's like you should be, you know, talking to him or at least pointing out some objects. So he's learning words or do something. And it's like, even though rationally, I know that it's good for them to have independent play and to, you know, have alone time and whatever. See, but that's the mom that works. It doesn't matter that you know better. It doesn't matter that the rational part of your head's like, they're fine. In fact, this is important. This is important developmental milestones to be able to self-entertain, self-soothe, self-feed. Like, I literally, my job is to phase myself out of existence as a mom. I need them to function without me. Mm-hmm. Not when they're two, yeah. but eventually. It doesn't matter that you know that. Yeah. That's not how mom guilt works. I know. I remember I someone commented, because I do some TikToks about mom guilt, and someone commented saying, you need to stop that because, you know, you're never going to be happy or whatever their stupid comment was. And I remember thinking like, (laughs) it's not like you can just turn it off. That's like saying, why do you have anxiety? Stop having anxiety. I know that it doesn't make sense, but it's this nagging feeling in your brain that you just can't get rid of. And I know from talking to you a few days ago, we both, I guess some moms feel guilt when they leave the house, right? And we were kind of similar in that we mostly feel guilt when we're in the house and our children are near us. Right. So, yeah. Do you ever experience partner guilt? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's something I didn't address in my own podcast because it's just, it feels like a whole other beast, but it's absolutely wrapped up. So before, so my eldest is from my first marriage and my twins are with my husband. This husband has been around for 10 years and he's stuck with me. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like I'm collecting them. I'm not. But no, with partner guilt, absolutely. So when I started the Mama Cusses brand, one of the things that I was super aware of because of what I've done for a living is I am essentially making myself my own product. So I have a distinctive look that I at least try to incorporate elements of all the time. Or if I leave them out, it is intentionally and obvious to the viewer, listener, or consumer that I have left these elements out. I have a very uh, vintage 50s aesthetic. So I wear these cat eye glasses that uh, mm-hmm. everybody has started calling witch glasses. <laughs> I saw your TikTok about that. I loved it so much. <laughs> Some troll tried to troll me and say, well, you've got green hair and witch glasses. Okay, yeah, no, I'll take that. That's mine now. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I've got, you know, uh, Liberty Bangs, which is the 50s pinup style bangs. But I needed to go out and buy myself a, a wardrobe brush up. So, and this was, you know, before COVID shut everything down and I wouldn't be going out in public very much. But I went and bought a couple dresses and a couple shirts that very much fit into my aesthetic. And my husband literally had to take my phone away from me because I tried to cancel that order like three times because I was like, well, I could buy some, you know, clothes for the kids because they grow out of stuff so fast with this money that I just spent on dresses. And I haven't bought you new clothes in Mm -hmm. God knows how long. I think that shirt's like older than me. Like... (laughs) 
and he's like, no, no, no. Like you recognize we agreed on this, right? Like there is point and purpose in your professional life that these are good things to have. And I don't, I don't think you shouldn't have them. I was like, that is not the point. <laughs> You're like, let me feel bad about this. <laughs> so I, I ended up getting the dresses and, and once I got them and I put them on and I started using them as intended. And, you know, I later spent another couple hundred dollars on the kids and the husband. Everything was fine. Yeah, totally. Okay. So this is a strange topic. <laughs> But I'm curious if other people experience this. Do you ever find that your husband does something in the house that you would feel guilty if you were the one doing it, but he's the one doing it, so you kind of feel like a secondhand guilt? So when my husband comes home from work, if he is on his cell phone and Milo's, you know, like within reach of him, I like I can't stop focusing on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's on his cell phone like Milo's right there. And I know that I would wouldn't do that because I would feel guilty. But it's almost like I'm projecting my guilt onto my husband because I know that I would feel guilty doing that. Do you ever feel that way? Yes. I don't necessarily project my guilt. But my guilt comes in a slightly different form in that I feel guilty that I cannot do that. So my husband is a very, very casual gamer. It's what he does to unwind. Now, he is a very hardworking individual, so I don't want to lump him into the Lifetime Underachievers Award. But <laughs> yes, when he's got downtime, his go-to to unplug his brain is to turn on a couple different games, but right now his favorite has been Farming Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is the world's most ridiculous, boring game to me, but he, he likes it and he's able to unplug, unwind, you know, kind of rebuild those neural tissues that he's destroyed throughout the day by, you know, using brain matter. And he's able to do that by not using brain matter at all. And my guilt comes in and that I look at him and I really have nothing I need to do. There's always projects. There's always stuff that can be done, mm -hmm. but he can unplug and disconnect and go to someplace that is not on this earthly plane. And I feel guilty that I'm like, I preach self-care. Shouldn't I be able to do that? I should be able mm -hmm. to do that. I can't do that. And that's what I explained as well to my husband. I said, I would feel guilty if I were in your shoes and I'm almost jealous of you that you don't have that same problem. Like you can just sit right. there and live your life. <laughs> right. Well, some somebody had explained it in terms of how moms and dads brains work. So imagine a dad's brain like a old school library card catalog like the old school the big box that used to sit in the center of the uh the libraries and you'd pull one drawer out and in that one drawer would be all one letter or all one topic or all one dewey decimal system section and that's all you would find in there it doesn't matter how many of those cards you pulled out it would all be a very expected level of information in there and so a guy can go open one drawer and close one drawer and open one drawer and close one drawer. And he's got several drawers that are just fucking empty. 
So he can open that drawer and just be in there. Yeah. And a woman's brain is not that. A woman's brain is a ball of yarn where everything is connected by one long thread. And in order to get from topic A to topic G, she has to go through B, C, D, E, F. Right. First. So it's more com- a little more complex. Yeah. Like we get there, but we can't just pass by things on the way to relaxation (laughs) like if we pass by a single sock that's out of place even if we conscientiously choose to leave the sock there our guilt is like you could have picked the fucking sock up bitch yeah i know totally and then you ruminate about it right and in the meantime i'm not relaxing i'm still thinking about the stupid sock and i'm literally (laughs) arguing with my own brain should i just go pick it up no I should not. I'm not the only person responsible for shit in this house. I'm not going to pick this sock up. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. So, <laughs> so one thing I was looking into guilt after listening to your podcast, and one thing that I was curious about was when you were talking about uh, the research. I forget the the guy's name who does research on guilt or something, but he was basically saying that guilt does nothing for us. So if someone has guilt, it doesn't change their future behavior. So basically, we have all these feelings, but nothing ends up changing in the end. So it's literally a useless negative feeling. Yeah, it's completely useless. And even some of our other negative feelings, like if we feel fear, we get a a cortisol buildup in our head. But then typically we also get a a positive dump after once that fear passes or once we overcome whatever is scaring us. We get this, you know, boost of adrenaline, which helps us move. And we get this boost of dopamine for being successful. Guilt builds cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And then nothing happens. We just now have a shit ton of stress. (laughs) I'm laughing. I'm laughing, but I want to cry. Yeah. So, so guilt builds cortisol in our brains and then our brains are like, all right, now what? All right, do I get the happy drug now? No, no, you don't. And so what that results is our brain just ignores that cortisol dump, you know, on, on a fundamental level and we don't have, it does nothing to change our future behavior. So we feel guilty for that non-bento worthy lunch, but we still give them the same goldfish and turkey the next day. Because that's what was easiest or available or on the menu, even though we felt so guilty about it. Nothing changed. It it did nothing to motivate us to better, more desirable, different behavior. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because, like we were saying before, subconsciously we know that what we're doing is not harmful, that it's fine, that, you know, these things, independent play is beneficial for them. So I wonder if it's like a battle of the rational side versus guilt and then the rational side ends up winning, but we still have suffer the guilt feelings. You know, I would love to apply some sort of logic to how guilt works, but I feel like we're giving it entirely too much credence. I know. This is the psychologist in me. I'm like, no, there's got to be a reason. (laughs) There's a reason my brain is this messed up. No, there's, there's not. It's just, this is what having kids does to you. Yeah, totally. Uh, if you haven't had kids and are, for whatever reason, listening to this podcast, I mean, best of fucking luck. I know. And I never thought I would have those guilt feelings. I always thought, you know, people talk about mom guilt and it's just kind of this like, oh, okay, whatever. But no, it's a legit issue. And everyone that I talk to struggles with it. Well, here's a way to frame it positively, though. 
here's 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 a, a a nice thing about mom guilt is people who do not experience mom guilt people who coast through parenthood thinking i got this look at me rock this i am killing it are probably actually killing it they're actually terrible terrible parents <laughs> because they're yeah. they're you know and there could be a host of, of very valid mental issues that lead to it but they they're the kind of parents who never stop to question, am I doing this right? Is this the best thing I can do for my kids, for myself, for my family, for my job? Those parents who never stop to pause are the ones who are messing their kids up the most. Right. And so you're... bad parents don't wonder if they're good. Good parents always wonder if they're bad. Totally. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner. They have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. So earlier today, because I, well, you know me by now, you, I'm like an overthinker. <laughs> and so my husband came home from work and I was like, babe, listen to this, okay? Do you think mom guilt exists because like way back, it was almost like a survival of the fittest thing. So the moms who had mom guilt and, you know, worried about doing things better and like 
giving their kids the best and blah, blah, blah. So their kids survived. And so it's almost like an evolutionary thing. And he was like, he just like glossed over and was like, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. <laughs> and I, I even, so I have that, that written on my little stupid notes in front of me right now. And it's crossed off because <laughs> my husband was like, no, you're, this is, I don't think so, babe. <laughs> But that's basically what you just said. Like when you have those mom guilt feelings, like your kids are probably the ones that are thriving and right. because you're concerned. Right. And and my mom guilt doesn't have to look the same as your mom guilt for us to be doing right by our kids. Totally. So the the fact that I'm concerned about independent play, but not about my environment and you general listener, you are concerned that, well, my house is constantly a mess, but no, I actually really enjoy playing with my kids. Like we, we play games together all the time. Great. Fantastic. We're both good moms. We just worry about different shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so what would you say are things that contribute to mom guilt in, in our society today? I think it goes back to the social media we were talking about earlier, that unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it, this is going to sound really weird and and bear with me, listener and Renee. Um, I think, because <laughs> uh, it's going to sound like I'm shooting both of us in the foot. I think mom guilt comes from over seeking parenting advice. I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a parenting expert. There are people who have successfully parented. Um, there are people who have conceived of or accidentally stumbled upon some ideas and techniques that work really well with a lot of kids, but I've been a parent for 13 years and I'm not even an expert on my own kids because every time I think I have them figured out, it changes. And so right. I think the rise of Dr. Google and Facebook MD have had a lot to do with people like second guessing their own instinct. Yeah, I would 100% agree with the like we're inundated with information. And of course, it's always, you know, some research study out of Harvard. Like, and I also write a lot about this because I researched myself all the uh, studies that were done on screen time. And yeah, that's that's one of the issues. Like we're constantly being bombarded with you know, the the number one thing to do, like how to feed your kids. Baby led weaning is like, you know, your child won't be able to eat solids if they don't do baby led weaning. And it's not true. And not to mention all the products that you have to buy to go along with it, which is a whole other story. So today I just saw your video of your son helpfully getting himself firmly stuck in his high chair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He would not move his legs. It was simple. <laughs> He did it to himself, but it was another one. And all I could think of, and this is not a judgy moment at all, Renee. All I could think of is, why are you using that high chair? Then? <laughs> like, that's just one more step I would not be willing to endure. Do you want to know why? Yes. Because that was expensive. And I picked it out because it's aesthetically pleasing. That's why. So you will sit in that goddamn high chair and you will like it. Uh, the number of things still in use in my home because it was fucking expensive. Shut up and use it. Exactly. My husband will not let me not use the high chair. Let's put it that way. 
I am currently sitting in an office desk chair that I thought was adorable and is the least comfortable thing I have ever sat my ass in, but I'm still using it. <laughs> exactly. See, you know. <laughs> Another thing that I loved from your podcast, which because I wanted to talk about advice for moms on how to deal with mom guilt. So I think this kind of leads into what you talked about on your podcast, which was the bare minimum parenting, which I loved that so much because it's basically just saying, like, go about your day with your children in an efficient way. Mm -hmm. The other day I woke up, I was exhausted. I didn't sleep. And I posted something on Instagram about how like today was going to be a bare minimum day. Like I was literally just going to do what I had to do and not have any expectations for, oh, we're going to go to the park. We're going to do this. Like I was just going to do what I had to do. And it makes your day so much better because then any little thing that you do get done, you're like, oh, hooray, good job, girl. And whereas (laughs) like if you have the other mindset, then you're like, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. So I think like it's healthy mentally to have this kind of idea of being efficient with your parenting and doing what you have to do. And anything extra is like, you're fucking awesome. Right. Yeah. It, it comes from the idea that if you wake up and then go to sleep with the same number of humans you started with, you won today. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like that's, that's all that has to happen. Like, is everybody still breathing healthy and not broken? Fantastic. We win. Go to sleep kids. (laughs) And part of what what that person who talks about this was saying was that it's the author of bare minimum parenting james breakwell to end i wanted you to tell us what your three your top three resources would be for moms so it could be anything like podcast uh books uh instagram accounts websites whatever Uh, so my top book on dealing with mom guilt really is James Breakwell's bare minimum parenting. Um, that it's a very tongue in cheek book. A good chunk of it is absolutely just jokes. He's not being serious, but if you read it through the lens of, but I want to feel less guilty, his viewpoints are absolutely insightful. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the book. It's so tongue-in-cheek. It's so satirical, and it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> what What does he do? Is he a is He's a comedian and a satir- and a satirist. He's got a, a few different books out, and a lot of them kind of hover around family, middle class life, and parenting. And he he really is a fantastic author and creator. I, I recommend him highly. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, he doesn't know I exist, but I'm a huge fan. So, <laughs> so my other resources, I would say, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to dip too far into self promotion, but I would say you need to find yourself a group of human beings with which you you can connect. So I run a Facebook group uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, that's a fantastic outlet to have and if you're a social type of person find yourself a social group and i know that doesn't sound like a resource but the more humans that you can put your heads together and go yeah that's stupid that's mom guilt she's lying 
the easier it is to work through those emotions. Because again, it comes down to parenting advice doesn't always have to work for everybody. So I feel like a group, be it a digital, virtual, in-person group is so important to have. Um, and my third resource is probably uh, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. And I, the author's name has slipped my brain, but I have Google right in front of me. Jancy Dunn. So it is focused very much on marriage, but she absolutely, either intentionally or unintentionally, weaves in how mom guilt affects your relationship with your significant other and how your feelings towards your kids don't always reflect your feelings toward your spouse um, or your partner and how those things sort of interweave. Because once you get kids into the mix, if you are in a long-term committed relationship, those lines are either very, very dark or nearly invisible. There is no middle ground. So her, her book is absolutely fantastic. And it talks a lot about her counseling experience with her husband and how that affected her parenting and how it made her look at her parenting um, and how it made her cope with her mom guilt and her partner guilt. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a really great book. So how not to hate your husband after kids by Jancy. Dunn. I feel like I would love that book just by that description that you gave. Totally. So lastly, I know you talked about your Facebook group, but where else can people find you? I know you have like 400 million things going on. And I always think about that TikTok that you made where you were like, welcome to Mama Cusses. This is, this is the yeah. podcaster. This is the author. This is the content creator. It's like all her waving at the camera. So what else do you got going on? Well, I'm on TikTok and Instagram as at Mama Cusses. You can find me on Twitter as at this Mama Cusses, but don't bother because it's really just the same shit I posted on Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I literally say yes, post to Twitter. Um, you can find my website, mamacusses.com. My podcast is called The Mama Cusses Podcast because I am on point on single message branding. <laughs> Because that's that's what you do. That's yeah. If you click into my Instagram or my uh, TikTok bios, I've got my own personal link tree. It will take you directly to my website and all of my various important links that you may enjoy. I blog somewhat regularly, um, mostly in support of the other projects that I do. And then I am writing a book. So if you want more information on that upcoming project, mamacusses.com is the place to head. That's awesome. I, that's one of my goals is to write a book. I remember when I first met with my supervisor for my PhD, he was like, well, what are you going to do with your PhD when you finish? And I said, I don't know, write a book. <laughs> so now I feel like I have to write a book. <laughs> I don't know, write a book. <laughs> The number of super successful authors that have actually started of, so what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. Write a book. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And just a reminder that all the resources and things that we talked about in the episode will be in the show notes. So check those out. And if you're loving this podcast, which I mean, come on, how can you not please go wherever you're listening to it and rate and review and subscribe. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the.mom.room. 
My blog is renearena.com. I hope everybody has a great weekend and that your children don't wake up in the middle of the night.